Come Holy Spirit, fill us. Reveal Jesus to us who we can't see, but one day we will. Connect us with the Father, who because of Jesus is our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pentecost means the world meets God in church. Pentecost means the world meets God in church. There are awesome things about today. There's extraordinary signs that we read about accompanying the pouring out of this Holy Spirit, just as Jesus promised, right up to those 3,000 people becoming Christians in one day from the entirety of the world at that time. But I don't know about you, every Pentecost, there's this question, now what? Are these things the Spirit so obviously and powerfully does through these apostles on that day and then subsequently as we read Acts? Well, can we ask for and expect to see those things happening today in our church life, in our witness? Hasn't the church been in decline in this country for decades? That joy of Pentecost that maybe just sparks up for a bit, it flickers down again pretty quickly when we think about the questions of our day. So that Joel reference talks about the last days, verse 17. Begins then. Perhaps they're still going on. Perhaps it's just the same thing. It feels different. I don't know about you. I don't feel like I'm there listening to the apostles proclaiming in multiple languages and seeing the Spirit so visibly and obviously present. As is so often the case, when we're struggling to see and make sense of what's around us now, when we look through the ancient history of the church, we see our present reality with new eyes. And Luke deliberately sets out the story so we do that if we pay attention. So first four verses, chapter two. Jesus' Pentecost spirit fulfills church. Jesus' Pentecost spirit fulfills church. Now, there's a little problem. I, like this Bible, it's a great Bible, but it is good looking at what Luke actually wrote because sometimes they smooth over stuff and I'm like, why did you do that? Because Luke actually like, gets out a big highlighter pen in that first verse. And we get on the day of Pentecost. It's like, you know, it was a Thursday. It's like, that's not a very good way of beginning the thing. But the actual thing he says is, when the day of Pentecost was completely fulfilled. That's what he says. And we know that that's a big highlight of it because the only other time that phrase appears in the whole of the rest of the Bible is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 51. And we get it in, if you want to look at it, you can or write it down. In that verse, it's, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So he gives these like phrases that you don't get anywhere else to say these are the bookmarks. These are the really important things that happen in the life of this Lord Jesus. After he's been born, Jesus journeyed back up to the throne of his father, beginning there, Luke 9, 51, as he looks to Jerusalem and the cross and the resurrection and the ascension. And this day when Jesus in heaven asks his father to send the Spirit on the global church. These are the two big things that had to happen 
after the thousand years of waiting. Jesus and church. And the day of Pentecost thing, that's not, this isn't the first time there's been a day of Pentecost. It's been happening for thousands of years up to now. It comes from the word for 50 in Greek. So the ancient church before Jesus, ancient Israel, counted seven weeks, 49 days, seven of seven, because of course the Sabbaths are seven days, so it's like a Sabbath of Sabbaths, that's the idea. And it was from the first time you saw a little plant come up and maybe like finally sprout a bean or something. It's from that first day, you count 49 days And then the 50th days is like, yes, look at all this food that came from that tiny little bit. And it wasn't an exact science because when the first bean sprouted, it's like, well, you know, I got one in, you know, you remember like competing for the first one across the whole of Israel. You can't really do that. So they just picked a day and it was particularly the Passover and and two days afterwards. You know, what happened? Well, sorry, two calendar days, obviously the third day. What happened two days after Passover? You got the resurrection. You got Easter Sunday. Well, that day was like the first bit, the first fruits. And then you start counting from then. So all this time, there's all this food coming in. And then finally, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, the 50th day. Everyone, I bet you didn't know this in the Bible. They were commanded to have a big party. That was the command. You've got to rejoice. And you've got to share all your food with everybody. And you've got to make sure everyone's included because all the harvest is in. All that sowing of seeds is now stores of delicious food, beer and wine and, you know, cake and just pick your favourite thing. You're going to enjoy it now. It's very particular to say everyone has to rejoice. Pentecost is the everyone's invited gigantic harvest festival. Passover is the first seed dying and being buried in the ground to come up as a new plant, death, resurrection. And then that process gets repeated in everyone. Loads and loads and loads of people from all over the place gathered in to the family of church. That's why I don't really like talking about Pentecost as the birthday of the church, because it kind of is. But it's more like the 18th birthday of the church. It's like when the church grows up. Because there'd been a church before. But this is when Pentecost happens for real. All those trial runs are finally realised. Jesus' Pentecost spirit fulfils church. Next bit. We'll do the whole of the rest of the passage for this. Jesus' Pentecost spirit brings heaven's judgment and life to the world. Jesus' Pentecost spirit brings heaven's judgment and life to the world. So now we get to the bit we all know, perhaps the bit you've seen in kids' books or that you're drawing now with the flames and everything and the wind. I got all the toddlers to make the sound of a rushing wind here on Thursday. It was awesome. They really went for it. It was great. Um, So uh, God shows up. This is the exciting bit. This is the bit we've been waiting for, right? Uh, But the two signs that come actually are about Sinai. You remember that? With a terrifying firestorm at the top, like a huge tempest of wind whizzing around and burning fire. Fire is is not a friendly thing. 
we know that, don't we? Like, it, it's kind of cool. Like, we've got some fire there, haven't we? We'll do some fire later, believe it or not. So look out for that. Uh, but if, you know, one of them knocked over, we'd be getting out of here quite quickly, wouldn't we? You know, um, fire has always been a sign of the boundary between heaven and earth, the unseen and the seen world. If any of you watch Stranger Things, that is like totally Bible, except it goes down rather than up. I want to see the up, downside up. Or, you know, sorry, if you don't know what this is, don't worry, but yeah. yeah. That boundary began with the flaming sword wielded by the angel at the entrance of Eden to keep us out. That fire fell from heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah to burn them up. When fire comes down, that means heaven coming to earth, but it usually means earth doesn't survive because we're at odds with heaven. We hate heaven. But now, look what happens. The Spirit finds a temple to fully inhabit in people washed clean by Jesus' blood. A place from which to pour out further on all kinds of other people. Just as God the Father descending on Mount Sinai in terrifying power, now his spirit descends on people and rests upon them. Instead of being burnt up, these people become part of a harvest. And almost immediately, like as soon as that happens, as soon as the spirit's there and and comfortable in human beings, immediately it just keeps going. It goes figuratively to like the whole world. Uh, So we heard in the, the numbers bit, the spirit had come and rested on believers before. Otherwise, there's no way they could be saved like us, that they were saved as well. Like it's not like people only started becoming Christians when Jesus showed up because, you know, most of history is excluded. We can't have that. Um, the Spirit even come, as we saw in the numbers thing, on particular people so they could do stuff and so that they could help other people come into church. Moses actually asks that this should happen. You hear that, didn't he? He was like, oh, I wish Pentecost was now. And that was like thousands of years before. And other nations came in as well, a bit. It's one of really brilliant Bible study. You know, if you think, oh, well, the Old Testament is all about xenophobia and the New Testament's all friendly and nice. Like, Look at how many different nations get brought into Israel. It's an incredible Bible study. There's so much more than you think. But, but the thing that wasn't quite the way it should be yet about that was they still had to come and live in Israel. Everything was kept very in-house. They weren't ready to go out into the world and plant churches of people full of the Spirit. That's why you get things like this prophecy from Joel saying one day everybody's going to do that. Everybody's going to be like a mini temple. You don't have to come to Jerusalem and worship there because if you meet a Christian, you're as close to Jerusalem as you could possibly be. Similarly, the ancient law had just one person, the high priest Aaron, who had oil poured on his head, symbolising Jesus, the great high priest, having the spirit poured on his head. But we're looking forward to a time where it wasn't just the high priest who received the Spirit. It was everybody. So in case we missed the fact that Pentecost is the global church beginning, he states 
2 verse 5, that thing that Pippi had to read and it's quite hard to get your tongue around. Do I mean 2 verse 5? No, I mean uh, 2 verse 9, sorry. Um, all these different people, if, if you kind of draw them on a map, they roughly go from like India to Italy. So if you can picture that in the ancient world, that's the whole Roman Empire really. And actually it even goes further. It's like the whole Persian Empire, which was the biggest empire there was uh, up to that point. So figuratively, it's across the whole world. Now, it is just Jewish people at the moment, but, you know, read Acts, it becomes everybody. But the point is, the whole world, who were kind of having to come to Jerusalem to be proper Jews, they suddenly discover that they can be fully involved with Jesus back where they are. There doesn't have to be this constant focus on one place, which, by the way, notice how basically every other religion in the world still has one place everyone's supposed to go. Do you see that? Like, obviously, it's great to go to Jerusalem if you get a chance, but you don't need to if you're going to be a Christian. If you're a Muslim, got to do the Hajj once in your life. There's still this idea that actually, like, most other religions haven't got this. It's very associated with one culture, one place. But because Pentecost has fully come, because Passover has been fulfilled... The Holy Spirit means church can be absolutely anywhere. It's awesome having this building. It is awesome having this building, but plenty of people don't have a building. In North Korea, you have to meet in secret. But Jesus is there by his spirit just as much as here, just as much in Jerusalem. The church has graduated. Jesus proclaims by his spirit the wonders of God, the exodus, miracles, to people from all over the world in languages they can understand. These people are recognising the same Exodus experience that they enjoyed through their ancestors. They don't have to go back there to experience it. They're experiencing it now and hearing it in their heart language. Too often, really notice this, we think of the first bit of the Bible as a kind of pointless plan A that had to be abandoned in favour of a much better idea, plan B, us. That's why we feel discouraged and Pentecost. Because we're constantly waiting for it to happen now in the way we expect. Rather than realising that this has been happening for centuries and we're part of a story that is not finished yet. The difference between Israel and this church is more like the difference between a prototype and a global rollout. Church was always meant to change the world by being everywhere, made up of everyone. And now that Jesus has ascended and Pentecost is completely fulfilled, the spirit means coming to a church in Afghanistan means you're just as close to the living God as a church in Zaire or Jerusalem. Fulfilled churches are meeting now across the whole world. Beacons of Jesus with people welcomed to the threshold of heaven. Even if they never set foot in Jerusalem or ever meet a person of Jewish ethnicity. Heaven is breaking in to the devil's stronghold, this earth. One Christian heart joined into a local church through Jesus at a time. the spirit fills the whole earth I I discovered this week and actually from that census result if you remember 
we need to prepare ourselves for an opposite reaction. Our culture as a whole is waking up to the spiritual world. It's realising that there's a barrier between us and meaning, between us and the unseen stuff that actually makes life worth living. And some people, alleluia, are coming back to church and coming through the Holy Spirit. But there are other people who are going for different spiritual options. I don't know if you saw, there was an article on the BBC website last week that talked about the Satanic Temple and a conference that recently had gathered of Satanists. It was about, I think there are now 700,000 or something uh, in America mostly. Uh, There are 70 in Bungie, uh, says the census. The kind of things that these guys do, just interestingly, none of them believe in Satan, they say. It's just a metaphor. It's a metaphor for doing whatever you want. But the things they do are unbaptizings. People who have been baptised come to the satanic temple to tear some pages out of the Bible and to specifically unsay the stuff that brought them into church. The Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost means the earth is full of the glory of God. But it also means that the devil and his influence becomes more obvious. This country's been asleep for a really long time. People not really bothering with spiritual things. But I wanted to say things like that satanic temple and the BBC saying, oh, isn't it great? You know, you've got all these misconceptions, but here's a children's book saying about how to worship Satan. And uh, here is, um, you know, wonderful fluffy toys uh, of a goat-headed pentagram thing. Like, that's happening now. Uh, There will be a Satanist book in Bungie Library soon. What are we going to do? The Holy Spirit puts us at odds with the world because we want to save the world from what is happening at the moment. The Spirit's harvest brings judgment on the old humanity. It reveals it for what it is. But as soon as judgment is brought, a new humanity is born through Jesus. The seeds keep dying and producing a harvest. What happened in the apostles immediately happens in 3,000 other people. And they were the people who killed Jesus, remember that. So no one's beyond help. None of those Satanists are beyond help. But we need to realise there is a difference. The Spirit will not stop until everyone is brought in to this joyful fellowship. So just a final thing. If, If we are feeling in Pentecost, well, where are all the miracles? Where are all the cool things? And hallelujah, they still do happen. I know there's testimony here of incredible stuff the Holy Spirit's done. I'm praying that he will continue to do that in Holy Trinity. Hallelujah, please. Let's have the whole lot. Let's have new languages. Let's have tongues. Let's have healing. Let's have everything. Hallelujah. Let's pray for that. Uh, But there's a really cool perspective that I think helps us when we're worried. And and that's the reason I mentioned the Satan thing. This is uh, an orthodox perspective on the question of miracles in the church. If you teach a person to read the gospel, you have opened the eyes of the blind. If you teach a person to help the needy, you have healed the paralysed. If you teach a person to go to church, you've healed the crippled. If you lead someone to repentance, you have raised the dead. Now go and perform miracles. As a church leader, I respect a lot who said this about that. I've quite often seen physical healings and miracles of physical provision, even people impossibly healed from terminal illness. 
Yet most of the time, people who aren't Christians don't become Christians through that kind of surface level miracle. I now think that it requires far more power to change hearts and minds, to forgive sin, to cleanse away guilt and shame, to give a person hope, contentment, joy in the darkest times, to make us holy in the present darkness. These days, learning to say no to our deceitful desires is a miracle I ask for far more often than any other. So miracles are happening in Bungie. That's why I think there are Satanists in our town, because everything's being revealed. Something's happening. The devil knows his time is short, so he's resorting to more obvious measures. We've been praying over these last 10 days for our five friends to know Jesus through the power of the Spirit. He is coming. He is doing things. Let's notice Let's take plenty of time to rejoice each day over this fulfilled church, full of the Spirit, over the judgment and life of God being brought to the whole world. Let's pray.